Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. So you're going to hear some things this morning that will be a little different than our normal church service. And so uh, kind of last week we said there's going to be the next two weeks will be just a little bit different. And today we want to do something to recognize and honor some men who have served in our church and uh, COVID was a, uh, an, an unusual season in the life of our church and continues to be around the world, a difficult and unusual season for us to, uh, to be journeying through. Uh, and yet there were some things that happened as a result of last year, not always being able to meet and not being together in person all the time where we missed doing some things. And uh, often as church leaders, we get things really right and we do things really well. And then there's other times that we drop the ball on some stuff that's important. And so today, this is one of those days where we're kind of correcting something that we didn't do well during the last year plus. Uh, and that's to recognize some men who have served in our church as elders for a period of time, either three to five years, and over the last year plus have rotated off of our board. We've brought some new people on to our elder team, and we're continuing to do that. We uh, are still in the process right now of trying to bring two new men onto our elder team. And so today you're going to hear from our lead elder, Cliff Ward. He's going to talk a little bit about the role of an elder, what that looks like in, in Scripture, and why we do that. Uh, and then we're going to recognize some men who have given their hearts and their lives and some passion to our church to lead us well. And here's why we think that's important. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're told, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, there would be another place in scripture that they would say, you know, follow my example as I follow Christ. And I think the, the beauty of passages like this is that when we look at elders and leaders in our church, that we would say, man, these are people that we can look to and their faith journey should be modeled and emulated. And that as they lead and as they help guide and direct our church in certain directions and paths, we want to be on board with them because as they're following Jesus, so should we desire to follow after the heart of Jesus. And uh, church, I want you to know, we are blessed with some great leadership here. Uh, this past year would have been impossible for me as a pastor had it not been for the team of elders that I serve with. These men that walked through some difficult days together and helped us journey through. And it wasn't just this last year. The entire existence of this church, we've been an elder-led congregation. Uh, and the reason for that, we go back again in Scripture in Acts and in Acts chapter 14, it says this, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. This is Paul and Barnabas talking. And then it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so the original model of the church that was led by the apostles, was that when they would go and start a church, they would put elders in charge there. And you notice that term elders is plural. There's a plurality of leadership that's involved in elder leadership, that we are uh, many, but we are one. And so we serve together with this plurality idea. 
that we are striving to serve the church, to love the church and to shepherd the church well. And so currently we have a, a great team of elders, uh, Cliff Ward, Bill White, Joey Porsche, and Andy Malcolm serve along with myself. Uh, and then, like I said a minute ago, we're looking right now at adding two new members to our elder team. Uh, and the reason for that is we just had one person rotate off. And in the last year plus before that, two other men or three other men had rotated off. And so there's consistently change that happens within our elder board. We usually ask men to serve three to five years in that position. Uh, and then we see if God allows that door to be open for those periods of time or longer if they choose. And so, uh, so that's kind of how things function. Cliff is going to come up and share with you a little bit more about this biblical role of elder, how we do some things and why we see this uh, in this light and how we do some of these things. And then we're going to introduce you to the guys that have served in the past, that have rotated off of our team, but continue to be deeply invested in the life of our church. And we want to honor them today. And so after we do that, you're going to get the special privilege of hearing from some missionaries that our church uh, sponsors and supports and has built relationship with that's serving internationally. And uh, Andy's going to come up with them in just a little while and introduce you if you haven't met them in the past. But we're grateful to have them with us today. And you're going to get to hear more of their story and what God's doing uh, around the world as we continue to be a globally supportive church of the gospel of Jesus, sending missionaries out into the world. So with those things in mind, I'm going to introduce you this morning. This is Cliff Ward. Cliff is our lead elder at this time. And uh, he's just going to walk you through a few things in Scripture that kind of gives some backdrop to this role of elder leadership and, uh, and how that operates and functions within our church. So, Cliff, thanks for, for being here with us today and, and leading us, man. Thanks, Joel. It's really as exciting as that sounds, <laughs> right? Um, I could go through Scripture and list off some of the qualifications that we look for in men to serve as elder at the church, but I'm not going to do that, Right? You can read 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, what the pastoral epistles tell us about that. I want to share with you a summary that I think Paul describes why he can say later in his life to honor those elders who serve you well. The very thing we want to do this morning, and I haven't given this to the guys in the back, so you're actually going to have to pull out a Bible uh, and read this with me. It's okay. It's just one verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 38. Sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And this is Paul before he leaves Ephesus talking to the elders there, and he summarizes what he wants them to do in this short verse. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. Now, that's a big verse. So let me just mention a couple of things from it. Notice what the activity of an elder is. Pay attention. Pay attention. That seems quite strange to say it that way because that means that the key job of an elder is to listen and to speak the name of God in every situation where it might not have been named before. 
When someone is struggling, you show them where God is present in that struggle. When someone is joyful, you show them why God is present in that joy. You speak the name of God. One of my heroes in the faith said that the activity of a pastor and an elder is to listen with the ears of your heart. To listen with the ears of your heart to see what God is doing in the world around you. Now we might say, okay, that's great. But notice what Paul says. He doesn't say pay attention to the world around you. He says what? Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. You see, elders are not perfect Christians. Exhibit A, exhibit A, pay attention to yourself. The reason that one shows themselves fitting to serve as an elder is that they're constantly aware of their own sin. They're constantly aware of their need for grace and mercy from God through Christ in the Spirit. Pay attention to yourself and then to the flock of God. Pay attention. Listen to the ear, with the ears of your heart because it's the Holy Spirit who's doing this. The only activity of an elder mentioned in this verse is to pay attention, to listen, to be aware of what God's doing because God is the one who's actively working through our elders at Grace Fellowship. The Holy Spirit is doing this. But it's important because it's care for the church that God has obtained with his own blood. Now, when you think of elder, you might think of people who are good with finances or good administrators or maybe bad ones. I don't know what your experience has been with it. But notice that Paul is using the word care. And the illustration that I've used with our elders here is the difference between a museum curator, one who cares for the museum, and all of the exhibit managers that are in that museum. The curator, the one who cares for the museum, doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs of every single exhibit, but is concerned with the entirety of the museum. That's what your elders do. We are concerned to pay attention to the flock that God has obtained with his own blood. And it's a serious calling. And the men that we are honoring this morning have served well, have paid attention to themselves and to the flock of God, not lifting themselves up, but lifting the name of Jesus. And that's what it's about. And so I'm going to ask Joel to come back up, and I think he's going to do uh, the next bit. Yeah, absolutely. And so with those things in mind, and thank you, Cliff, for leading us in that, I'm going to ask uh, Brian Henderson and Brian Reeves and Mark Treese to come and to join me on stage. And uh, I think we're going to need that microphone as well, Cliff. So if you will hand that to Brian on his way up. Uh, these men, plus Scotty Dancy, who is not able to be here today. I believe Scotty is at a Young Life camp uh, this week and is leading that. He's the Young Life director here. Uh, these men have served so well in the capacity of elder uh, over the last few 
years. And so uh, Brian Henderson actually was the, uh, the interim pastor here for a little while between uh, or before I came on board and then rotated into a role as elder uh, with that as well. And so became our lead elder for a period of time and served so well in that capacity. And we're grateful for him. Uh, Mark Treese just rotated off of our team uh, in the last, uh, last couple of weeks, actually, and so served on our team for five years prior to that. And then Brian Reeves also served for years on for about five years as well. Is that right? And so uh, gave a, a great period of time there to our church just to lead and uh, and to serve so well. And so what I want to do for just a couple of minutes, and guys, if you would, just maybe you, you're the only one I didn't see this morning before. So you might want to hand the microphone to Brian, and I'll let you give a couple of seconds to think here. I've asked these guys just to say, man, share one thing really uh, in, in the span of just a minute or so that you feel like God taught you during your time as an elder or uh, or that you saw happen in the life of our church uh, while you were leading as an elder. So Brian, if you would just maybe give, give just a short thought there on what you've seen God do in your time serving as an elder here at GFC. So one of the things that really I knew was important going into it, um, but that became uh, much deeper, I had a much deeper understanding of the importance of unity. Um, and it was amazing to me how you can take a group of guys who are believers, but they're sinful. We're all, you know, none of us are perfect. And you put them together, and we can disagree, and uh, uh, sometimes we butt heads, <laughs> but we sincerely want what God wants for us as leadership and for the church. And it was just amazing to me how faithful God always was through that process to open the doors and close the doors in the direction that he wanted us. Yeah. So that's one of the things that really uh, impacted me. And uh, I feel like I have a better understanding of what God wants when he talks about unity in the church. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for sharing that, Brian. I really appreciate that. And so, so Mark, now you've had like a minute to think about it. <laughs> so, uh, man, what's something that you just experienced God either do in your life or you saw in the life of the church uh, that was taking place during your time as an elder that, that you just have experienced God's movement in? Well, I guess, I guess the, the thing I would call the attention to would just be the, the process we went through with uh, deciding to buy this building. Yeah. And that was a big decision for our church uh, that we made three or four years ago. And, and a long lead up to that, as many of you know, we were leasing this building uh, from another party at the time. And we had lots of discussion and debate about do we buy, when do we buy, et cetera. And I just remember going through that process together with the team and just faithfully praying. And I think what the word that sticks out in my mind was just patience, Yeah. you know, and, and as we saw that, uh, as we saw that play out, I mean, certainly from a fiscal point of view, it, it, the, the patience was rewarded with at least close to half a million dollar difference between mm -hmm. where we, we would have purchased the building from had we been aggressive and unpatient and, and not yeah. faithful to listen and wait for the timing of God um, versus what the team did. Yeah. And, and I think just that spirit of... of um, Praying through that, working through that carefully together, yeah. it was one thing I'll always remember with the team. Yeah. Uh, certainly a rewarding chance, and I'm appreciative to have had the opportunity to serve on the team. Awesome, man. Thanks so much, and we're grateful for your, your service and your leadership there. And So, Brian, same question, man, and, and you get 30 seconds. 
about to say, man, a minute is like a <laughs> Have you guys met Brian? Brian well, likes to no, talk. We be, have long conversations together. I know. I would say there's so, there's so many things I could say I wish I could share, but uh, I would say big picture is God always provides for his church. Patience is a great word. Unity is a great word. I remember when Joel came on board, what an incredible blessing. I mean, to see how God uh, worked that process to bring Joel here and uh, to see his leadership and, frankly, his his servant's attitude is on the elder team has been incredible. Um, you know, to come in and see he just really strengthened our team. And love seeing how God provides the body through different uh, leaders and their gifts and their temperaments and all that. Really, really thankful that uh, Cliff referred to Acts 20 because I re- recommend every believer to read that and get in touch with Paul's heart when he, it, you know, he talks to the elders as he's about, of Ephesus, he's about to leave. Um, because it, it'll, it, it, it makes you, it, it humbles me often when I read it. I just think, how can we be elders when Paul has set such an example and he has this challenge? Who can live up to this? But it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. But the last thing I'll say is this, though. I think if I had to distill one thing that's extremely memorable, there are so many memories that, that I've had and other elders have had of basically walking through life with y'all. And I have seen incredible faith and strength and courage from the body of Christ going through incredibly difficult times. And I have been inspired many, many times by the faith and the, the love for Jesus that many, uh, many people in our body in the church have, have lived out. And sometimes I'll leave there thinking like, God, I've, I mean, I'm the privileged one here because I'm supposed to be caring and serving, and yet these folks are modeling what it looks like to walk closely and humbly with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just get to be kind of a, you know, a fan to stand supporting them and encouraging them and saying, you can do this. And so thank you all for your faithfulness, for the privilege of all of us getting a chance to serve this church. Yeah. And uh, just continue to pray for, for y'all's well-being and everything. Yeah. So. Man, thanks so much, Brian. You can hold on to that. Um, here's what we're going to do. We have a gift that we want to give to you guys. The Bible talks about elders as shepherds. And so our traditional gift to give to the elders of our church is the shepherd's staff. And so we want to give each of you guys one of these today. Um, I want to give each of you one of these today, but our order didn't fully come in from Amazon. So, um, <laughs> so two of you will get one of these today, and I'll let you all rock, paper, scissors, or we'll have a wrestling match in the parking lot after church or whatever you want to do. Um, but, uh, man, we just want to say thank you to you guys for the way that you shepherd us, have shepherded us, and led well, shown the example of following Jesus, modeled for our church what it looks like, to lead by your example, to lead us toward Christ, which is the goal. And so with that in mind, I want to invite Cliff to come back up on stage. We want to have just a time of prayer over you guys. And here's something else, church, that you need to know. It's not just these men that you see on stage or the elders that lead on our team now. It's their wives and their families behind the scenes as well, uh, that we have great support from our, our families, from our wives that uh, allow us to have some late night meetings and be away from them to do church related things and, uh, and to give of our lives to the church to continue leading forward. And so, uh, so thank you to the, the spouses and the families as well for time that you allow to us uh, to lead out in the church life here. But guys, I want to say thank you. I love you each. And Cliff, I'm going to ask you if you will just to pray for us this morning. Yeah, as, as I pray and close out, let me ask you, church, to be praying for us as we are going through the process of finding a couple of new elders. You can't replace men like this, but as uh, Mark and Brian and Brian said, <laughs> the unity that we have on the team is something that we don't need to take for granted. So please be in prayer with us as we seek for the next elders to serve with us on the team. So let me pray for these men and for that process. Our Father and our God, we thank you for who you are for us in Christ, that you would purchase the church by your own blood. 
And so to serve as an elder is no small calling. It's a great task, but it's one that requires humility, grace, mercy. And so I thank you for these men, for Brian and for Brian, for Mark and for Scotty, and for their service and their service well to the church here at Grace Fellowship. And we ask your continued blessings on their own lives and their families' lives, especially now as they have more time to spend with their families. Father, we thank you for the calling that you have given us as elders to pay attention to ourselves and to the flock. We ask for your grace and mercy, for we are sinners, and we need it every day. And so we pray for those men that you are lifting up to serve as elders here at Grace. Give them peace, knowing that you don't call perfect people to serve as elders, but those who recognize how imperfect they are. And so we thank you for what you're doing here at Grace, and we look forward to the days and seeing what you will do uh, through this flock here in Kingsport. And we pray this in Jesus' name, who with you and the Spirit reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Would you please honor these men with me and just thank them for their service here at our church. And guys, thank you so much. Yep. Thank you so much. And uh, go off again. There we go. Uh, I'm going to ask Andy Malcolm to come and join me now. And he's going to introduce uh, the, the family that's with us today who serve as missionaries. And uh, you're going to get to meet them and hear some of their story. It's going to be a, a good morning and a good time. And uh, Andy's going to get a microphone from Cliff that he stole. So there you go. Andy, thanks so much for leading us today, man. And uh, turn it over to you. So, good morning, everybody. Uh, it is an exciting day here. It's, it's a little bit different kind of day. I want Joel and Elizabeth to come back up or come up here. Grab those two chairs right there with you as well. And they're going to join me. They are, I think, our first sponsored missionaries that we uh, adopted uh, about four years ago or so. This is only their second visit with us ever because for the last three years, they've been in country uh, serving in the Middle East. And you're going to get there to hear their story today, and we're excited about them uh, being here with us. You can raise or lower those chairs as well. The thing on the side there, if you're too high or too low. Um, but Testing. I'll probably spin in mine. Cause. That's okay. That's what they're, they're here for. Get out, get out some of that nervous energy. Uh, that's exactly right. So... Um, they're going to share their story, update you on what's been going on in their lives, but, but I want to challenge you first. And here's my challenge to everybody in the audience. You're going to have a tendency to sit here and listen to these stories and say, oh, that's great. Isn't that great what God's doing in their life as they are missionaries? We're all sent. And so what I, my challenge for you is to take what you hear from them and the principles that they're going to talk about and see how you can apply them to your own life. Because you might, like me, sometimes think, oh, that's their life. My life is different. No, your life is the same as theirs. You're just doing something in a different place than they are. And so if you'll think about that while we talk, and so, Joan and Elizabeth, we're, we're so glad to have you here. Again, they've only been here one other time, and it was about four years ago or so, so they're new to a lot of you. And so, first, first just tell us about your family and introduce us to the Petersons. Okay. 
This is Elizabeth. This is Joel. We, ha- we have four kids, and only one of them is here. This is Nora. <laughs> we have a three-year-old who's really loud and disruptive, so he's somewhere where y'all have the kids, usually. Mm-hmm. And he's got... Oh, there you go. He's got two older brothers, Isaiah and uh, Asher. And yeah, for the last three years, we have about three and a half years, we've lived in Egypt. Um, before that, we actually lived in Africa as well for about seven years. We worked with and lived with a people called the Somalis in Somalia and then in a place called Djibouti. Um, what do you want to say about our family? That's us. Uh, I don't know if Joel went over all their names, but our oldest is Isaiah. Uh, second is nine. He's Asher. Third is Nora. She's six. And then Simeon is our disruptive but very fun three-year-old. Uh, he's also a COVID baby, so he hasn't been to church a lot. So in addition to growing up in a different culture, he's a Grew child of the, the pandemic. So he's not quite used to meeting people yet. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, thank you for introducing us to everyone. And uh, they just came back in country a few months ago and have been up north. They've been staying in Kentucky. And so they're swinging down here. And we were grateful enough to have you guys visit with us. So uh, tell us about what, what sent you overseas in the first place. Tell us about that calling that you felt like God was saying, don't just be a missionary where you live, but go somewhere else and live and, and, and take the message of Jesus out. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, you have a, I found a pamphlet out here in this hallway that says something go, missions go maybe. Uh, helping unreached people trust and follow Jesus. I just love being a part of that. Um, as I said, we, we've, we've, we've lived in Egypt for three years. Um, I love living in Egypt. Our kids love living in Egypt. Um, Elizabeth loves living in Egypt. I love uh, being a Christian in a, and surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. And I love being there to um, answer their questions, to become their friends, um, to hear their stories, to get to know them. Uh, how did that happen? That's what I think of when I think of calling. Because I, I, I wasn't born with that being this joyful thing for me, this life-giving thing. Um, how did that happen? Uh, and I wish, there's a part of me that wishes I had this like really great story. Uh, but for me, uh, it's been more of like an ongoing process, maybe a journey, an adventure of... Um, just things that you all know about, um, living life with God, spending time with God, um, singing songs about God, spending time with believers. Uh, these are the kind of things that have sort of, as the more and more I do that, the more I, um, it's like God begins to change my own heart to kind of love what he loves, um, to care about what he cares about. And, uh, yeah, for me, every song that we sang about um, talked about God's love, you know? These basic Christian ideas like that, that, that God loves, um, really not only knowing that in my head, but in my heart. Uh, you know, there are, I'm 43 years old, uh, so the, the, my calling as a 
long story. Um, and there are parts of that story that are ugly that I wouldn't want to s- share with you. There's parts that I'm embarrassed about. And God knows all of that. Uh, and he still loves me. He's, he's uh, not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of the things that I'm ashamed of. He's not angry with me. Um, and when I really kind of sense that love that he has for me, uh, I know that he has that same love for everybody, uh, for every single person, this, as hard as that is to grasp, for every single person on this planet. Um, and so when I'm living in Somalia or Egypt, and I'm getting to know people that live, maybe my neighbors or people that I work with, um, I begin to sense God's love for them. Um, and it sort of moves me to, to pray for them and to want to uh, help them in their journey, uh, to want to help them find Jesus, uh, and to know Jesus the way that I do, um, to know this, this grace and this, um, this serious and deep love and care and concern that I know that God has for me. I know he has that for them, and I want them to know that forgiveness and that grace. So just simple concepts like um, the fact that God loves, period. This is stuff we all know. But that's really what has sort of motivated my calling. Um, the fact that he loves and he's, he's on the move. He's, he's working throughout all the world, Kingsport, uh, Egypt, somewhere, wherever, um, pursuing people with that same love and affection and care. You want to add to that, Elizabeth? Anything else? The only thing I would add is that I had a sense of calling before I went overseas, and it was kind of a a pretty neat experience. Mm. Um, But my calling has grown since I've been overseas. So a lot of people have this feeling of like, well, I don't feel particularly called to Venezuela or Albania. But I agree with what Joel said. When you start living your life there, you sense God's heart for people. Um, so wherever you are, maybe part of the calling is actually walking, moving forward, and then the calling becomes more and more certain and more and more concrete because a lot of what I thought moving to the Middle East would be, it hasn't been. And, and that's because my imagination doesn't know everything. But um, so I would just say as we go, the calling becomes clearer and more refined and um, we can live into it more accurately. That's a great thought there. I love sharing that. Um, and so with that calling, and, and you felt like, okay, the Middle East, Egypt, like you said, is, is where you're going to go. Um, give us an idea of what day-to-day life looks like over there in, in the ways that you're trying to reach people. And I know you might have to be sensitive to some of the things you can say and share that, and that you can't share mm-hmm. since we're live on the internet. Mm-hmm. But just give us a, a day-to-day and, and how you live that out there. Well, a big part of the work that we do, we partner with an organization that sends Christian professionals throughout the world. So um, we work with people who are doctors, lawyers, engineers, teachers, professors, all kinds of um, all kinds of professions, and then we seek to serve holistically. So what that means is our organization works in um, all the far corners of the world where um, getting a visa for 
missionary work is not a possibility. So we all go um, as professionals. Joel and I are both teachers, and we work at, an ad- well, Joel is the director, and I'm the associate director of an adult language center, which is, in the U.S., it would be probably along the lines of, like, a community college. Um, but we teach Arabic to foreigners who want to learn it, and then we also teach English. Um, the The society where we live is very highly stratified. There's a lot of, well, not a lot. There's a significant uh, portion of very wealthy people, and then there's everybody else. So if you're up here, getting a high-quality education is easy, and if you are everybody else, it's not. Um, so what we are able to do is we are able to offer, um, you know, high-quality native English-speaking teachers um, these kind of, like a class that maybe costs what a term would cost, or our term might cost what one class costs at a normal school. And so we're able to offer professional, high-quality education. And, um, you know, teaching grammar is fine, but one of the things that we actually work on is using a values-based curriculum in, in the belief that for all of us, our spiritual journey started with us thinking about what's true and what's real, what's good and what's beautiful. Um, God, I can remember, John Piper said once in a sermon I listened to, like, when your friend starts reading Dostoevsky, rejoice, because there's something in the heart of humankind that is seeking what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. And so we actually use a values-based curriculum, and that doesn't mean, you know, we're not teaching Bible lessons at all, Um, but we are having lessons centered around things like, what makes a good marriage? Will money make me happy? Um, What do good parents do? You know, what does it mean when I have a dream or a hope for my life? These kinds of things, and then we tie in, you know, good, sound language structure, but we get, the point is to start to get people to think and question and wonder, because I think in that space is where the Holy Spirit starts to till up the soil of a heart. Um, Real quickly, practically speaking, daily life looks like a lot of logistics for those four kids. (laughs) Uh, Walking to school, picking them up from school, getting people in Ubers, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's also just a lot of um, daily life. The same things you'd expect a mom to do with four kids in Tennessee. I do in Egypt. I just do it a little bit differently in a different language. Um, And then a big part of our daily life is also language learning, obviously. Um, And Joel's going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I, I would say there's just a simple idea that sort of motivates our, everything we do on a daily basis. And it's this concept. It's a Christian idea. When we become knowable, when Christians become knowable, Christ becomes meetable. When followers of Jesus become known, especially to people who don't know him, there's this opportunity for them to get to know him. Maybe I say it a different way. Uh, most people who don't know Jesus tend to come to Jesus through a relationship with someone who already follows Jesus. Does that make sense? If you think about your own life, how'd you get to this point in your walk with God? I'm sure it involves not just one, probably a lot of people who follow Jesus, who who are your friends or relationships in some way. And so what we try to do is become people's friends. Uh, The areas, the area of the world that we live, most of the friends that I'm talking about, that we're most often, we're, we're the only Christian they know. Um, and 
like Elizabeth said, we're, we're trying to learn Arabic. That's, that's kind of a big part of kind of our daily life because we want to be known. We want to be in their circle of friends. We want to see them, kind of like what I was saying before, the way that God sees them. And that involves hearing their story and really seeing them uh, and being able to talk to them. And uh, what we're trying to do, though, is to become known with the hopes and prayers that, that they might meet Jesus through a relationship with a Christian, with us. Um, not that we're anything special, but uh, all of us, um, no matter what, if you are in a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus, um, the, the deeper you go in that relationship, always, uh, naturally, um, the topic of Jesus comes up, for me at least, um, who is this? What you know? What? Who is this Jesus that you love and worship? Uh, those kind of things seem to come up naturally for me, at least. Yeah. And that's what we're going for. And that's really what we do at the school, um, going about daily life, meeting people. And so, give us a few ideas of some some struggles <laughs> that you face in doing that, living that out, and and some successes maybe that you, we can rejoice in with you. Okay, I'll start. Struggles, well, COVID was a struggle. It's hard to be knowable when you're in a house because there's a pandemic. So that was really hard. Um, and that involved lots of Zooms and uh, meeting people in new ways. Uh, I would say, okay, I'll share a quick story that I feel like is a success. It happened right before we came home. Uh, we had just moved and there was some plumbing thing that I had to fix, so I went to a plumbing shop. And um, this guy who owned the shop, he lived upstairs, uh, Egyptian Muslim guy. Um, he insisted that I sat down. It was right around dinner time. He insisted that I sat down and have dinner with him before he let me buy this plumbing parts that I needed. And Has I, that ever happened to you at the <laughs> at Lowe's? Uh, I guess not. Okay. Okay, this is the different part that we can't do. Okay, keep going. But anyway, short story long, uh, he broke me down. Even though, you know, I'm wearing a mask and I, you know, this is during COVID. I am feeling uncomfortable, but I just, he broke me down. So I had dinner with him for a couple hours uh, and really got to know him. And um, it was all in Arabic, which for me, after three years, um, was really encouraging because sometimes it just feels like such a slog learning Arabic. You just kind of seems like we're the only people in Egypt who don't speak Arabic sometimes. Uh, but to be able to understand almost all of what he said and him to understand me, I feel like, you know, that allowed that relate. You know, I can't wait to go back to Egypt now and continue that relationship. So that would be a success for me. Um. Like Joel said, COVID was uh, quite a stressor for our family. Our kids ended up being homeschooled. And, um, you know, I know all over the world, lockdown means different things. But I literally didn't leave our small apartment for 148 straight days. I didn't go outside. So it was uh, very stressful for our family. Um, the hospital system where we live is not able to support people very well in this pandemic. So we had a high priority on keeping, especially our oldest son has asthma, keeping him away from COVID. 
um, that was very stressful. Um, I think one struggle is just shepherding our children well. Um, one of them gets real anxious. You know, I mean, they, they're humans. And so moving to a huge city, 30 million people with lots of noises and people speaking different languages and so many horns going all the time, you know, it's, it's a challenge as a, as a parent. Um, in terms of success, I feel like um, probably I have some similar stories to share. Um, two really come to mind. One is uh, a believer who was raised in the historic Christian church in the Middle East who had left her faith, and she's actually become one of our best friends. And um, it's been fascinating because we talk about the Bible a lot, and we pray together, and, and she asks important questions. And... Um, what has touched her the most is seeing a Christian marriage and a Christian family. So she will come and say, like, why did you do that with Nora? Or I saw you do this. And, and she and I will go and have, you know, like a two-hour conversation about what our strategy as parents is, you know. And um, that has awakened something in her. It's so exciting to watch that faith start to blossom again. Um, and another one is from a, a majority faith person who doesn't know Jesus, um, she was a really dear, dear friend, and um, during COVID, her mom passed away, and at two in the morning, I got this phone call of, you know, this woman wailing in a foreign language, and it was, it's been a hard thing to walk through with her, but um, when I think back, like, okay, so three years ago, she didn't know a Christ follower to call. And even if, she, say, she knew, like, a shopkeeper who also identified as a, a follower of Jesus, is that the person she's going to call at 2 in the morning? So th- to me, the fact that this is, like, instinctual, that I was brought in immediately to her incredible shock and grief is such a privilege. And I, I think, you know, that's not because I'm great. It's because the Holy Spirit's at work in her life. Yeah. Um, but those are things that, those are successes we don't take lightly, um, all the research shows for people coming from this faith background to faith in Christ, the vast majority puts um, a relationship with a Christ follower as the number one thing that drew them to faith in Christ. So whenever I'm with someone and can say, this person now has an authentic friendship with a Christ follower, I've just covered the biggest hurdle <laughs> that uh, people from this part of the world face. Right, right, right. And so you're, you're going about just living your normal everyday lives <laughs> as they do. And through that, God presents these opportunities for friendship and conversation and things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I shared with them in our conversation over the phone leading up to this that, that we've been going through this idea of bless, B-L-E-S-S, and mm-hmm. begin with prayer, listening, eating, serving, sharing. Mm-hmm. Some of your stories yeah. <laughs> just spoke to those. Yeah. What else would you say about those letters in your own lives over there? Even though you hadn't learned, you know, you didn't know that acronym before no, we had no, that conversation. No, a great one. <laughs> but what, what does BLESS look like for you guys? You want to go? Or you want me? Well, um, I'll just start. I think that um, the L listening is really key to me. Um, one of the the bad raps that cross-cultural workers get is that they kind of come in with the answer before they know the question. <laughs> um, and so we really believe in the dignity of all these people, that they have authentic um, stories. They were created by God for him. And they're living these lives, and they have good questions about this life. 
And if I rush in and give them the answer before I'm able to listen to the question, I feel that I've done them a disservice. Um, we had a, a colleague back, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago who used to say, if you show the Jesus film and then you can't understand the buzz around the room afterward, have you shared the gospel? And it's something we wrestle with because it's really important for people to hear God's word in a way they understand. I would say it's equally important that we're there to then listen as they unpack it. If you think of good discipleship in your own life, those people probably listened just as much as they spoke to you. Mm. And so a huge part of Arabic, you know, in America, in language school, you know, say you're learning French or Spanish, you probably focus more on production. You know, you want to like say, hi, my name is this and I'm from America. And, and that's a temptation to be able to kind of perform in Arabic. Um, but we have spent literally hundreds and hundreds of hours learning how to comprehend, how to listen first. So we actually listen to extended stories and pick apart words we don't know um, so that when we are in a community, at a wedding, at a funeral, somewhere where you know, these huge life events are happening, we can listen to the story so that we can introduce Jesus into it. So for me, the L is a huge part of it. Um, it honors who they are as made in God's image, and it honors the fact that I actually don't know everything that they need to know, but God does. Yeah, I would just say, I, I really appreciate the order of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tends to be the way it works in my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I guess you say begin with prayer, um, but then, uh, what's the, yeah, listening, like you said, eating, um, serving and sharing. I feel like for me, I really have to focus on, like Elizabeth said, listening. Uh, I'm really good at eating. So that's with that plumber. <laughs> that's easy for me. Uh, but things like sh- serving and sharing, um, I might have an idea, like Elizabeth is saying in my head of what this person needs or how I might, you know, share the gospel with them. But oftentimes those last two uh, just kind of happen naturally, happen uh, naturally in relationship as, as I grow deeper in that relationship. Um, and it's not something I have to force or that used to really kind of hold me back, I think, from uh, reaching out is this idea that I was going to be like this pushy, uh, Bible-thumping person which I don't want to be. I want to be someone's friend, an authentic friend, and authentically love them. And I feel like that order allows for that to happen. That's great. Thank you so much. Well, we're, we're so glad to hear your stories and to listen to your stories uh, today as you share those with us. How, how can we be praying for you as, as you head on from here? Um, well, if you get our prayer letter updates, I just sent one out. And if you don't and you want to, come talk to me. We send an email every month. Um, but there are three things on my heart as, um, as we go back. One is the reality that we are going back to a pandemic that is raging on. Um, our kids already will be in hybrid school. We know that for a fact. We will be back in masks. Um, we are going into a position where um, our health is not, uh, you know, granted. So we would ask that you pray, especially for our oldest. He will be commuting across the city about 45 minutes, morning and evening, to his school. Um, And he has asthma. And that, you know, I mean, that commute will put him 
at, at risk of exposure. So we would ask for prayers for our health. Um, I think also um, all these relationships that we have been talking about with COVID plus this time at home, we've been away for a bit. And so just that they would be able to um, kind of be restored back to where they were, you know, just so we can find a new rhythm with these friends. Um, and then lastly, for um, our professional work at the school, um, the various things that Joel does, just that God would guide us um, exactly what our, our roles and responsibilities are and what they aren't so that we can, we can do that well. Hmm. Yeah. I would also say some thanksgivings, actually. Yes. Uh, it was scary uh, to be in a pandemic. Um, I think it probably was for everybody. But that just, we were not expecting that. And we weren't prepared for that at all. Um, and God has brought us through that. I could tell story after story. I'm just so thankful for that and so thankful for, um, you know, the economy in all countries has really taken a hit because of the pandemic. And um, our support is okay. Uh, what I'm saying is, we love what we do. I said this in the beginning. I, our family loves living in Egypt. We want to live there for a long time. And we couldn't do it without this whole team of people who pray for us, uh, churches like this who support us financially. We are so grateful and thankful um, to God, but also to you guys, really. Thank you guys so much for investing in uh, Kingsport, but in beyond, as Joel said. Um, I got to say something else. We, through a s- variety of circumstances, I ended up being a, a part of a pastoral team uh, at, a, at, a, at a local fellowship, a fellowship that meets kind of in the middle of Cairo. Of, uh, it's an English-speaking expatriate group. And they had a pastor that had to leave uh, early on, and I just became part of the pastoral team. And you guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Uh, I play the guitar, and so I was leading worship and preaching and doing stuff like that. And I didn't know that I was going to do that, so I had brought a guitar that you couldn't plug in. So I had the mic, you know, on the sound hole. And this, you guys bought me a guitar. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Thank you. The church thanks you. Uh, It has been so much better leading worship with a guitar that you can actually plug in. Uh, And they would be mad if I didn't thank you for that. Um, so. That's great. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a time out because we, we want to fill you in on some other things here for a few minutes. So we're going to bring you back up and pray for you in just a moment. So if you want to just have a seat and rest for a few minutes out of the limelight, and then we're going to bring you back up here at the end of our service. So give them a hand, please. Thank you guys for, for sharing your story and updating their story with us, but we want to update you on all our missionaries, and we're going to do this really quick, and so if you'll get ready to pop those those pictures up here, we're going to start with the Hazels. Uh, there are missionaries that we support in Namibia, Africa, and if you remember, we did our backathon last fall to get them bicycles and voice recorders. Well, one of the things that he, a note that he just sent me was that uh, COVID is really bad right now. In fact, the, it's they're back in shutdown. The country's back on a lockdown right now. But because of the bicycles and recorders, the way they've trained their disciples to go into all these villages with those recorders and leave those recorders there with, with disciples they've made there, all that stuff is out in those villages. So the word is not in lockdown. 
that's out there because of what you all have done. And so uh, the, their prayer is for Anastasia that you see there in Jeremy's lap. She's having a hard time uh, just still with the, the personal adjustments to being over there. Uh, the kids play differently than she does. And so it's, it's just been hard for her. So we're going to pray for her in just a moment too. The next one. Uh, we have the Champions. If you you may remember, they just landed in Spain a couple of months ago. They're in Meco, Spain. M E C O, Spain. There are no Christian churches in that fourteen thousand population town. They're trying to reach that community, and so uh, this summer they have uh, Simon Peter in, in camps, and they're meeting people through the normal rhythms of life in hopes of building those friendships and relationships there in Mecca. And then, after that, we have the Wingfield family. Paul coming up here. Uh, Paul's our youth pastor, but you may not realize he also does something special in Latin Amer- for Latin America youth pastors. Tell them about that. Yeah, so in addition to working with young people here, I get to do it overseas as well. So it looks a little bit differently, though, because the, the approach that we take is we, we identify these, these catalytic leaders uh, throughout Latin America, and we come alongside of them, and we, we partner with them. We begin these disciple-making relationships, because one, the, one of the biggest things for these, these youth leaders, these pastors, is just a, a lack of healthy community around them to encourage them to keep fighting the good fight. And so we step in and we begin to just encourage them to help cast vision, draw out vision of, of what it could look like to reach the generation behind them, to reach the next generation for the sake of Christ. Uh, I think in 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as if God were making his very appeal through us. And so we come alongside of them and help, help them learn what it looks like to, to make disciples of young people using uh, the method that, that Jesus did of investing in the few to reach the many. And so I'll give you a quick little story. I'm, I'm working, I've been walking with this guy named Israel for two years. I've been meeting with him very consistently for the last year. Every Friday we meet, uh, we do a Zoom call and just check in, see how he's doing. And he works for, uh, or volunteers for, an organization called Youth World that is focused on reaching young people. And he has begun walking with these, these two leaders, these two young leaders, 24, 26 years old, named uh, David and Willie. And uh, David and Willie, they have a heart to reach young people through skateboarding, through skate, skate ministry. And if any of you know me, I don't do well with skate parks. Uh, <laughs> you can ask me that story later if you don't know. Um, and so these, these two leaders, David and Willie, are, are, are reaching somewhere about 40 to 50 kids that they meet with on a regular basis every week that they're out skateboarding with, they're doing Bible studies with them. They're, they're walking very closely with these young people. And, and, and this is happening, this is just one partner that we have, but this, this idea of multiplication is we invest in, in Israel and he invests in these two leaders that invest in these 40 to 50 young people over time, man, that could spread to the end of the earth. That could change a community, that could change a country, that could change in, in the entire world. And so that's kind of the, the vision that, that we have of stepping in with these leaders is to, to invest in the generation beyond them with a vision that is going to far outlive us. And God's doing some amazing things through that all around the world. Thank you, Paul. Great job, man. Well, we have two of our newest uh, sponsored missionaries. You're not going to know one of these folks. Uh, uh, we can't put a slide up of, of the next one uh, because of where they are in, in uh, uh, India. But if you head outside, uh, you'll be able to see their prayer card. Uh, his last name is Singh. 
and uh, we told you about him if you were here for our J term. You all got cards for him. You can, if you weren't here, you can get his card out there. But we can't put his picture up. Uh, but we've started investing in in a national who lives in India, and then the 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 latest one is the Weaver family, and we do have a card for them. Uh, that's up here. It's his name is John Weaver, and that's his family there. Uh, can't tell you exactly what country he's in, but he's in Central Asia, which includes all the stands: Turkmenistan, uh, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, um, Iraq. He's over there in that area. He's been serving. Uh, uh, disciple makers and church planners and other people in those areas for over 20 years now. He spent a lot of time in that area personally. And because of a couple decades of doing that, he's involved with all kinds of national church planners and things over there. So we've just adopted him because of the way that he affects so many different people in that part of the world. And so uh, you can find his card as well outside before you leave, and I'll tell you more about that in just a second. And we have one final presentation that we're going to make today. So Jamie and Joel, come come on up here. Joel Owen, where are you, Joel? You in here still? There you are. Uh, we have a little surprise. Joel doesn't know anything about this um, for today. So Jamie, show, uh, share a little bit about what we you have in your hand there. Okay, so this is just a recognition from Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child to Grace Fellowship for uh, serving for five years as a central drop-off. Cool. So we just wanted to thank, um, you know, giving the building for us to do that. And then also the whole church for all the packing of shoeboxes. We did over 500 this year um, for all the hours of volunteering, praying, packing cartons, all of it. Yeah. So just thank you. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. Man. We, uh, we love the ministry partnership we have with Samaritan's Purse. If you've not been engaged with that, man, we'd love to have you help us out with some of those things this year. Jamie oversees our uh, um, receiving center here, operations center here. And so thank you for what you do. Really appreciate you guys. Appreciate so thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. We will find a cool place in the church to hang that up. That's right. And that's, that's got all your names on there, by the way. You all, all play a part in that. So we thank you for that. Last thing I wanted to remind you is if you were part of J-Term, uh, you know that we're all sent out. We're all called to be ambassadors. We're all called to be reconcilers. Um, Jesus said, just as my Father has sent me, so I have sent you. And so part of the blessed idea is for you guys to go and be a blessing for others. And we're sponsoring you, all of you, any of you, to be missionaries to people where you live, work, and play in the same ways that Joel and Elizabeth do. And so up to this point, um, we've been able to, to, to set aside a lot of our, of our trip sponsor money for you guys to go and do things locally here. And as of this point, um, we've uh, sponsored about $1,600 worth of projects that you guys are doing with your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors uh, here in this community. And so we, we got plenty more that we want to bless you guys with to go and be a blessing to others. So there's extra books still out there in the hallway. Um, there's these forms for who, who, when you come up with ideas on how you want to bless others, please keep praying and thinking and turning these into us. And our mission team would love to sponsor you to do those things. We're excited about that. So I'm going to bring Joel and Elizabeth back up. And we're going to pray for you guys as we finish today. And um, 
I'm going to try to remember those three things that you just shared. <laughs> and uh, so join me as we pray, not only for them, but for all our missionaries and all of you that are on mission this summer as well. So thank you, guys. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. Um, we just give thanks, just like Joel reminded us. Give thanks for what you've done in their lives, in the lives of all our missionaries around the world, Lord. We pray specifically for the Peterson family. Lord, as they head back in and handle the new routines and, and the COVID protocols and, and pray for protection of Isaiah and his health and, and the, the, the health of the entire family. We pray for your blessing over them as they resume their work as professionals, Lord, and how they continue to befriend the people in their communities. Give them wisdom to carry out their jobs and their responsibilities in such a way that it, it, it draws people to them, that there's something different about the way they work, about the way they live their lives, about the way they parent, about the way they do friendships. And I pray that you'll restore and renew and refresh those relationships that they've made over the last three years, that when they go back, they'll begin to flourish and they'll, they'll be, be open to new conversations about who this Jesus is. Lord, and we pray for your favor and grace over them and all that they do and your favor over each of us as we go out and live like Jesus where we live, work, and play giving everybody in our midst an opportunity to hear the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is for us as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.